This is so cool. One of the coolest stories of the week, maybe the year, maybe the decade, happened on Monday morning. For the first time in human history, a flying machine took off and touched down on another planet. Just think about that for a minute. Ingenuity, a tiny helicopter left the surface of Mars almost 300 million kilometers from its home at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena, California. It'll make your head hurt to try and wrap your head around how this works. An incredible feat, truly mind-boggling stuff. And to make it even cooler, a Canadian was a big part of making this all happen, and we are thrilled that Farah Alibay, a Canadian-born NASA systems engineer, could join us this morning to tell us all about it. Uh, Farah, first of all, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. Um, and, and congratulations. What an absolutely incredible accomplishment. Thank you. I mean, I still can't quite believe it. I still rewatch the video every so often. I'm like, wow, we really did it, huh? <laughs> tell, tell us about that moment for you. I mean, I imagine this took years and years of work and just, um, I imagine, was it pure tension and then pure exhilaration when it worked? Just tell us about the moment. Yeah, I think it was exactly that, right? We were nervous, you know, looking forward to it, but, you know, apprehensive to see the data. And then when we did, it was just so wonderful. It was really a picture-perfect flight. Now, one thing to keep in mind is that it's a little strange. We weren't seeing the data in real time. We knew that the flight had happened on Mars a few hours prior. It takes a little while. You know, we relay the data from the helicopter to the rover, turn over, and then to Earth. So it takes a little while for that data to get back to us. So, um, so it's one of those things where, you know, we were looking at our watches earlier in the evening and we knew it had happened and then we knew the data was coming down. And then as soon as it hit the ground, all of us were analyzing it as fast as we could. We each had our part to look at. Um, but it all, you know, it all worked out really, really well. And I have to say that first image that we got down from the helicopter, it saw its own shadow while flying and you can see the tracks from the rover is still my favorite. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Uh, what a moment. Um, now the distance in, on its own is, is enough to absolutely boggle the mind, but I, there's, there's so much else that goes into it, right? I mean, this is truly a benchmark in human achievement. So just tell us about all the different considerations uh, that you had to take in, you know, aside from the distance, just all the other things that complicate this kind of a mission. Yeah, so the distance basically just means that we have to automate everything. We can't just, you know, joystick a helicopter on Mars. It's too far. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we use radio signals, even though they go at a speed of light, it takes 15 minutes for our signals to get from Earth to Mars. So, So that's one. But the biggest thing about this mission that's, you know, that was difficult is that it's hard to fly on Mars. Mars has about a third of the gravity of the Earth, so that helps us because we're a little bit lighter on Mars, but it only has 1% of the Earth's atmosphere. So, so, you know, on Earth, the atmosphere is what lifts you up, right? It's that that force that pushes airplanes up. That's what lift is on Mars because we only have 1% of that. Well, it's a whole lot harder to fly. Um, So we have to be a lot lighter, right? Because really what flight comes down to is your lift, the force that lifts you has to be higher than the weight that pulls you down, right? So we have to be lighter, and then we spin the blades very, very fast at tens of thousands of RPM in order to achieve that flight. And so Ingenuity weighs about 1.8 kilograms. It has blades that are 1.2 meters long, and that that's design is just about the sweet spot to to fly on in an atmosphere like mars you're a nasa systems engineer um tell us what like is it really really compartmentalized like does everybody have a specific task or were you overseeing the whole thing what was your role in this entire mission 
So everyone has their own, yeah, everyone has their own part to the mission. Mine, um, I'm basically, uh, I call myself often sort of like a choreographer, if you think about it. I am, um, I work on the Perseverance mission, but I'm the integration lead for the helicopter. So what does that mean? So when we're operating Ingenuity on Mars, it relies on the rover, right? So mm-hmm. we do our relay through the rover. The rover has to image it. We transfer our commands through it. So the two rovers, you know, the rover and the helicopter, the two robots, I kind of describe it as, you know, they do this tightly coordinated dance on Mars, right? Everything has to go just right. All of these activities have to go just right. And so that's my job. It's to coordinate all of those activities, get all of the pieces right from all of the experts and manage all of that in order to pull this off. So um, so I was heavily involved in deploying the helicopter and then in managing um, all of the activities leading up to, to Monday and, and, look, and going forward, too. It's such an inspiring story, and I really hope um, parents will, will play this for their kids today because I think, you know, it's something that uh, we hear about, but I don't think a lot of us think we can do. Tell us how somebody growing up in Montreal ends up as sort of the choreographer of a Mars mission like that. What was your journey? Uh, well, I had a lot of twists and turns and, and a lot of ups and downs, like any journey. So I, you know, I loved space as a kid. I, I was fascinated with space. I mean, I grew up in the 90s, so there were a lot of space movies back then. Um, but, you know, I didn't really think at the time that I belonged at NASA. I mean, if I looked, I didn't have role models that looked like me. Yeah. Um, a lot of these movies featured people who didn't look like me. So it took me a really long time to realize that, yeah, maybe, you know, if there are people that work there, maybe I could be one of those. Um, so I realized that, you know, a few years before going to college and, and started studying aerospace engineering, but I cannot tell you how many times I got turned down for internships. I failed my exams my first semester in, in college. Um, it was It was a hard journey, but I think I was really, really passionate about what I wanted to do. I was really interested in... Space exploration, I wanted to work on Mars. So I picked myself up, knocked on doors, never took no for an answer. And and let me tell you, it only takes one yes, right? So Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of my general advice is if you find something that you're passionate about, go for it and don't let anyone tell you no. I've had so many no's um, because you'll find find a way. You'll find a way to pick yourself back up. You'll find someone who'll tell you yes. And I mean, you've you've been in some of the most prestigious schools on the planet, Cambridge, MIT. So I mean, you worked hard at this too. It wasn't, you know, you do need the lucky breaks, but I imagine it was something that, um, you know, you just had to throw everything into to make this happen, right? Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yes, uh, I worked very, very hard, and I mean, and then that's part of it, right? I had this dream, and I thought. I'm going to do my best to get there. I might not succeed, but I I threw everything I had at it because I knew I wouldn't forgive myself if yeah. I didn't at least try, um, and and it paid off. Uh, amazing. So you're, you're I, I think, and I hope that uh, you do inspire kids down here on Earth to follow in your footsteps. Uh, but you're also breaking down doors in terms of space travel. A lot of people, when they hear about these space things, why are we doing this? Why are we spending all this money? Why is what happened with this Ingenuity helicopter? Why is it so important? What does it change in terms of space exploration? Well, so Ingenuity is a technology demonstration mission, right? So it wasn't doing any science. It's pure engineering. But the idea is that it's opening doors for future missions. And so, uh, you know, for, for aerial exploration. And, and if you think about rovers, for example, they started the same way. Sojourner was a technology demonstration mission. It was a tiny little rover that we sent to Mars, and people were like, why are you driving on Mars? It seems so <laughs> silly. And now, Perseverance, right, 
is this massive rover that inherited all that technology, and it's looking for signs of ancient life on Mars. Perseverance might help us answer the question of, are we alone in the universe? And so, you know, we went from tech demo to existential, you know, <laughs> questions that we've been asking ourselves since the start of civilization. So I can certainly think that something similar will happen with Ingenuity. It will open doors for aerial observations, not only on Mars, but on other planets. And who knows what questions those missions might answer. Has this been your total focus, this particular mission, for however long? Or is there something else you're working on? What's next? Um, So I've been with the Perseverance mission for about two years now. I I worked on InSight before, so I'm lucky that this was not my first Mars landing. Um, So I'm going to stay on Perseverance here at least for a little while. So the Ingenuity mission will probably end in about two weeks. It's a very short technology demonstration. And then Perseverance will be going out to the uh, the delta of the ancient river that used to uh, feed Jezero Crater, which is where we landed, and we'll be collecting our first samples on Mars with the hope of bringing them back eventually. So, so I'll be sticking with the mission for a little while, but then, uh, you know, at JPL, where I work, we explore the entire solar system. So the opportunities are, are pretty much endless <laughs> as to what might be next. Uh, we have, obviously, the Mars Sample Return Mission, which will return the samples that Perseverance is collecting. Right now, we have a mission going, uh, being built to go out to Europa, which is one of the moons of Jupiter that has an ocean and an ice crust. could be really interesting also for potentially finding life. We have a mission going out to metal asteroids. There's all sorts of options. Uh, but for now, I'm going to enjoy this mission and figure out what's next uh, in a few months here. Okay, last one. I've kept you too long, and I apologize, but I'm absolutely That's fascinated. Right. Um, uh, you're a young lady. There's a lot of years left uh, in this career field for you. Is there one... Um, sort of goal for you? Is there something that would uh, that just drives you? Something you want answered? Something you want to do as part of your work? I think beyond beyond the exploration goals and 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 you know maybe wanting to be the lead on one of these missions one day. I have a more personal goal. Uh, I spend a lot of my time improving inclusion and diversity in our uh, in STEM and especially in aerospace. And I think for me, that is my career goal. My career goal is to contribute to uh, to the improvement of, of the and diversity, equity, and inclusion in in uh, this field. Bring in more women. Bring in more minorities. I, if by the time I retire. Uh, we're not talking about DEI anymore because we're in an inclusive mm-hmm. community and because we've reached, you know, representation. I think that will be mission accomplished. Farah, you're awesome. Thank you so much for uh, spending some time with us this morning. This is just a, a great conversation. I can't thank you enough. Thank you. Have a good day. Yeah, you too.